Good morning. If you're able, please stand for the reading of God's word as we read from Psalm 119, verses 33 through 40, and also from the book of Romans, chapter 13, verses 8 through 14. Now hear the word of the Lord. Teach me, O Lord, to follow your decrees, then I will keep them to the end. Give me understanding and I will keep your law and obey it with all my heart. Direct me in the path of your commands, for there I find delight. Turn my heart toward your statutes and not toward selfish gain. Turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life according to your word. Fulfill your promise to your servants so that you may be feared. Take away the disgrace I dread, for your laws are good. How I long for your precepts. Preserve my life. In your righteousness. From Romans 13. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The commandments do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet. And whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one rule. Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. And do this understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. Rather, clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. The title of today's message is Love Does No harm. And it's taken from verse 10 of Romans 13, where it says love does no harm to its neighbor. Eugene Peterson, writing about God and love, has this to say, the two most difficult things to get straight in life are love and God. More often than not, the mess people make of their lives can be traced to failure or stupidity or meanness in one or the other of these areas. The basic and biblical Christian conviction is that the two subjects are intricately related. If we want to deal with God the right way, we have to learn to love the right way. If we want to love the right way, we have to deal with God the right way. God and love cannot be separated. And so from our scripture reading here today, we see that what Christians come to know about love is this. Love is an unfinished debt that fulfills the law, understanding the time while utilizing Christ's love. So love is an unfinished debt that fulfills the law. Look at verses 8 through 10. Paul says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For he who loves his fellow man has fulfilled the law. The commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not covet, and whatever other commandment there may be are summed up in this one rule. 
Love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no harm to its neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Now, Paul sees love as a debt. But who doesn't love to see a debt paid? You know, the reason you dislike credit cards, student loans, paying the mortgage is that they seem interminable. You pay and you pay, but the debt doesn't go away. Then Paul links these points of view together. He says, let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. Love is a debt that is continuous. Now, how are we to think about this? As the scripture is saying that love is a debt. Love is a debt that exists between us as people made in the image of God. Love is a debt that exists between us that, uh, for people who are longing to be remade into the image of Christ. See, Paul is saying, pay your debt, pay your bill, get out of debt, except this bill of loving one another. This is a bill you keep paying. Love is a debt between us. And, and, the, and it's continuous. You'll never pay it off. Why? Because love fulfills the law. Is what the passage tells us. The law is the reflection of the character of God. So when you read the law, you're getting a picture of who God is. The church can never stop reflecting God. And it can never stop reflecting who God is. The love, the love, this love. So to love is to reflect God. And love fulfills the law. Or you could say, because the Greek literally says this. It says, love fills the law to the full. Love fills the law to the full. And back in my truck driving days, one of the last things that we would do as, after, when, you, when you got onto the yard was to fill your truck, fill up the tanks to full. And see, with a filled tank, you, know, you could go anywhere. You could make the deliveries as long as, you're, as, long as the tank is, is filled. So here's the point. When we love one another, when we love our community, we are, are filling the law to the full. And in filling the law to the full, you, you can deliver goodness to the community. You can deliver it in so many ways and in a, in a lot of different ways. You're filling it to the full and you don't run out. Because we're making the character of God known. You never stop. You never stop making the character of God known. So if you want to know the secret to keeping the Ten Commandments, the scripture says, pay your bill of loving one another. You want to say it won't save you, but it will remind you what it means to be saved, looking through that lens of God's mercy. Because remember, Paul is writing to a diverse group of people here. He's, he's, Claudius had expelled the Jews from Rome, but when Claudius died, his, his death, that edict was reversed. Jewish Christians were now coming back into the city and, and there were Gentiles who had become Christians and they were both present there in the church. So now, how are they to live together? 
They're two different cultures. How are they to live together? And what did did they owe each other in terms of, of justice and righteousness? Many were longing for oppression and and injustice and abuse and and perversion that existed in the culture. They longed for those things to end. Christians living out their faith in the church, paying the debt of love, of loving each other, they brought that about. Listen to Justin Martyr, his second century Christian who wrote to the emperor Antoninus Pius. He's describing believers. He says... We formerly rejoiced in uncleanness of life, but now love only chastity. Before we use the magic arts, but now dedicate ourselves to the true and unbegotten God. Before we loved money and possessions more than anything, but now we share what we have and to everyone who is in need. Before we hated one another and killed one another and would not eat with those of another race. But now, since the manifestation of Christ, we have come to a common life and pray for our enemies and try to win over those who hate us without just cause. So here's a question. Here's a question for us. How are we paying our bills? How are we paying our bills? How are we at, how are we at, at paying our bills inside the church, this debt of love? And in what ways are we filling full the law in our community? Especially since the text tells us we are to understand the time. So understanding the time. Look at verses 11 to 13. And do this understanding the present time. The hour has come for you to wake up from your slumber. Because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here, so let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave decently as in the daytime, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and debauchery, not in dissension and jealousy. See, love is not only an unfinished debt, but it understands the time. To understand the time is to perceive, to, 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 to sense the times, and to know what to do about it. So what are we to perceive? Well, as we think of the text, it's what's happening now and how it connects to the not yet. Because Paul turns, he turns our eyes so that we're not merely looking at the now, but also the not yet. Because he says that, that, that you're saved, now you're saved, but our salvation is coming. You're, you're saved, but that day is nearer now than when you first believed. So he wants us to know how close the now and the not yet really are. So perceive that he, his interest. So his interest is not is it's not in, in what is is happening in in the headlines. Not what not what the what's taking place between geopolitical entities and whether or not prophecy is being fulfilled. You know, such as you see a peace treaty between the UAE and and Israel, or or that the the U.S. embassy is now in Jerusalem. See, those are not the things that Paul's talking about here. When Paul writes this. See, the Jews were still being moved around. They were still dispersed. God is building his church. So this, when he's writing this, this is not, this, it's not a dispensational springboard to leap into the shallow end of the eschatological pool. 
No, Paul is reminding us that our salvation is nearer now than it ever has been before. The now and the not yet. There's an urgency to living lives of of love because the day of salvation is closer than before. Let me ask you, what would you change in your life if you knew Jesus was coming on September 8th of 2020? Would you try to do some things that you had put off? Would you do something that you hadn't found the time to do before? Would you treat people differently? Would you confess things that that you've kept secret for a long time? You see, Paul is saying that we need not to worry so much about the when of Jesus' return as we need to see what the nearness of our salvation drives us to do. You see, the emphasis is the emphasis is on you know, don't begin, don't begin to live sloppy lives. Don't begin, don't begin to live harmful, unloving lives because it appears dark. Because Jesus is coming back. Hallelujah. See, the nearness of salvation is reason to turn up the heat of our love. See, in an age, in an age of, of, of looting and, and shootings, Christians turn up the love. In the midst of a pandemic, Christians turn up the love. In the midst of, of, of a divisive political atmosphere, Paul is saying, since the day of salvation is nearer now than before, turn up the love. Love that does no harm, understands the time, and knows what to do about it. See, what time is it? The scripture is saying that daytime is approaching. The night is ending. Daytime is approaching. Don't you love to watch the sunrise? Isn't it, is, are you not captivated? And, it, and, you know, and it's not like you don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> you know, every day the sunrise, but yet every day you look at it and you go, that's awesome. Wow. <laughs> it's stunning. You know, Rodney Stark, in his book on the history of Christianity, he tells of, of Bishop Dionysius of Alexandria, who wrote a pastoral letter to the flock highlighting those who had, who had, had helped the sick and, and nursed them during a plague, and how some had given their lives in doing so. You know, it's, it's a picture of how day and night were meeting. He writes, most of our brothers showed unbounded love and loyalty, never sparing themselves and thinking only of one another. Heedless of danger, they took charge of the sick, attending to their every need and ministering to them in Christ. And with them departed this life serenely happy, for they were infected by others with the disease, drawing on themselves the sickness of their neighbors and cheerfully accepting their pains. Many, in nursing and curing others, transferred their death to themselves and died in their stead. The best of our brothers lost their lives in this manner. A number of presbyters, deacons, and laymen winning high commendations so that in death in this form, the result of great piety and strong faith seems in every way the equal to martyrdom. 
in Rodney Stark, he adds this. He goes on. He says, what went on during the epidemics was only an intensification of what went on every day among Christians. Because theirs were communities of mercy. You see that? The times were changing. They weren't. They understood the time. The night of sickness and death was being confronted by the daytime of the nearness of salvation. They knew what to do about it. They turned up the love. It intensified in a self-sacrificing way, putting on the armor of light. Now, how do you hear this as a, as a 21st century Christian? Because we hear about God's grace and we hear, we hear how it's for me and therefore who can be against me and how Jesus would have, you know, you've heard this before. If you were the only one, Jesus would have died for your sin. Or maybe you've heard this, I'm, I'm a child of the king, therefore I'm a princess or, or I'm, I'm a prince in, in God's family. You see t-shirts with, with that. See, but, but those are not the ideas that one should get when you're looking through the lens of God's mercy. Remember, remember what Peterson said? It's, the, it's the, one of the toughest things to get straight in life are loving God. Because if you seek to have love from God without loving others, you don't really know God. If you seek to love others without God, you'll end up doing more harm than good. And so how do you? How do you get a love that does no harm? You have to utilize, you have to utilize the love, Christ's love. Verse 14, rather clothe yourselves with the Lord Jesus Christ and do not think about how to gratify the desires of the sinful nature. See, love does no harm to its neighbor. It's not a love that we can produce on our own. It's not a love. It's not a love that we have naturally. And we, we understand that. We see that. We see that each and every day. And, and if you know your own heart, if you know your own heart, you know that, that this is true. We don't love like the scripture calls us to love on our own. See, that kind of, that kind of love has to be given to us. It's the grace of God. And then we have to be taught. So where do we get the power to love without harming? And from whom can we learn? Well, Paul says, he says, clothe yourself with the Lord Jesus Christ. Put him on. Robbie Zacharias tells this story in his book, Can Man Live Without God? It's a great book if you've never read it. But he tells this story. It's the story of Jacob, an evangelist, and Zimmerman, an elderly man who had suffered under the corruption of the Yugoslavian Christian church. Jacob tried to talk to Zimmerman about the love of Christ as he commiserated with him on his tragedies. And Zimmerman told him he wished to have nothing to do with Christianity. The church in his town had plundered exploited and killed innocent people. My own nephew was killed by them, he said angrily, rebuffing any effort Jekov made to talk to him about Christ. They wear these elaborate coats and crosses signifying a, a heavenly commission, but their evil designs and lives I cannot ignore. 
Jacob, looking for an occasion to get Zimmerman to change his line of thinking, said, Zimmerman, can I ask you a question? Suppose I were to steal your coat, put it on and break into a bank. Suppose further that the police sighted me running in the distance but could not catch up with me. One clue, however, put them onto your track. They recognize your coat. What would you say to them if they came to your house and accused you of breaking into the bank? I would deny it, said Zimmerman. Ah, but we saw your coat. They would say, retorted Jackoff. This analogy quite annoyed Zimmerman, who ordered Jackoff to leave his home. Jackoff continued to return to the village periodically just to befriend Zimmerman, encourage him, and share the love of Christ with him. Finally, one day, Zimmerman asked, How does one become a Christian? Jackoff told him, taught him the simple steps of repentance for sin and, and of trust in the work of Jesus Christ and, and gently pointed him to the shepherd of his soul. Zimmerman bent his knee on the soil with his head bowed and surrendered his life to Christ. As he rose to his feet, wiping his tears, he embraced Jacob and said, Thank you for being in my life. And then he pointed to the heavens and whispered, You wear his coat very well. Is he clothing yourself? Clothing yourself with Jesus Christ. See, that is to, that is, that is to trust that he's paid your debt. Jesus paid our debt. He said that just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, Matthew 20, 28, but to give his life a ransom for many. Jesus paid our debt. Being clothed in Christ is to recognize that Jesus fulfilled the law for us. Romans 10, 4 says this, Christ is the end of the law so that there may be righteousness for everyone who believes. See, trusting, no, clothing yourself in Jesus Christ is, is knowing that he understood our time. Romans 5, 6 says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Hallelujah. See, this is, this is the love we are given. This is the, this is the love we, we learn. This is the love that, that doesn't harm us. And in that light, we can pray just like the psalmist. We can pray, Lord, teach me, give me understanding, direct me, turn my heart, turn my eyes, take away my disgrace, preserve my life in your righteousness. (laughs) That's that righteousness. It's the righteousness that comes from the law being fulfilled in us through Jesus Christ. And it's all according to God's law. If you pray this, you're asking for that law to be fulfilled in you. The Christians who have gotten love and God straight know that love is an unfinished debt that, that fulfills the law, understanding the time while utilizing Christ's love that has brought down empires. It's beat back plagues. It's rescued babies from the trash heap. It's brought freedom to slaves and more. May the Lord help us to love without harm and enable us to wear his coat well. Let's pray. Uh, Lord, we do need your help. 
especially, Lord, in days like this. Preserve our lives according to your righteousness, the righteousness that you've given to us in Christ, who fulfilled the law on our behalf and in whose name we pray. Amen.